It's good to be here tonight, <clears throat> and again, um, I think we have, a, there's an activity tonight for the, the uh, teenagers, and so uh, don't forget about that tonight as well. A lot going on, and uh, I know some of you are excited about what's going on outside of this place eventually, but you're here because you're excited about what's going on here too, and that's good, so there's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> You've made a good choice today to be in the house of God. That's a great decision. And uh, like I say, we'll thank the Lord for the opportunity we have to enjoy some of the game later, but it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Well, um, let's see. uh, Hey, Josh, that that song um, that the quartet guys do, what's it called? The the one, um, um, Fire and Do you guys know the words of that? Are you able to just sing that right now? 
Can you do that? I'd love to hear it. I was just thinking we were talking about Brother Combs and how they, they covered his casket with a uh, Christian flag. And then they presented that, that flag to his wife. And, you know, uh, you know, you hear about that with, like, the regular flag with folks that are in the military and so forth. And I thought, man, that, that's a neat idea. And um, <clears throat> I just kind of thought about that, keep on the firing line, because that's Brother Combs. You know, you remember Brother Combs. He, a bigger guy, came up here preached. Boy, he had a heart for souls, loved the, the ministry, loved people. And I just thought about that song. I thought, boy, I'd like to hear that, just kind of reminisce. Maybe I'd think a little bit about him. And I know we're supposed to think about the Lord, but his servants are something good to think about from time to time, too. So um, if we can do that, fellas, if you're able to, why don't you guys come on up and do that, would you? Are you able to do that? Come on up. If you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. Hounding brother, surely you must fight. Keep on the firing line. There are many dangers that we all must face. If we die of fighting, it is no disgrace. Coward in the service, he will find no place. So keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. When we get to heaven, brother, we'll be glad. Keep on the firing line. I will praise the Savior for the call we had. Keep on the firing line. When we see the souls that we have helped to win, leading them to Jesus from the paths of sin, with a shout of welcome we will all march in. So keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. Man, that's fun, isn't it? I like that stuff. That's good, that firing line. I, can, <clears throat> I don't know, I just think of that old brother Combs, you know? That's good. And boy, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> when you get to heaven, we'll be glad. We stayed on the firing line. I know he's rejoicing right now that he never gave up, never quit. That's good. Amen. Well, take your Bible. Look over at 2 Timothy chapter 3 tonight. We'll kick things off reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. We'll read through verse 14. Tonight, I want to preach a message I've entitled, Don't Look Now, But You've Got Egg on Your Face, Book. you got egg on your face, Book. All right? And so let's see what we can't learn and glean tonight. Let's uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. 
This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. <clears throat> now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, and theirs also as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, <clears throat> manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now in the passage we note a couple of things. First of all, we note the world, the world. In verses 1 through 5, the Bible says here, from such turn away. And again, it lists a bunch of things. For men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous boasters. It goes right through this list of things. I mean, and just expresses what the world's about today, really. And as we look around, we can't help but notice the, the characteristics of our world and how they truly do line up with what's being spoken of here and written in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so we see the world. And you know, the fact is, as believers, we're not to look like that. We're not to take on the same characteristics and qualities. This description should not describe you and I today. Amen. That's just the reality of it. As a matter of fact, we're to avoid those, the Bible says, that demonstrate such characteristics and qualities. From such, turn away, it says. From those that, uh, that, appeal to, that, that these things appeal to, that, that if they live like this, they act like this, they take on these characteristics and qualities. And man, you don't want to be uh, around that. You don't want to be influenced by it. You want to turn from those things and from those, those actions. So from such turn away, those that are embracing them shouldn't be those that we hang around. I mean, those things will rub off on us. So the Bible says in John 17, 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. The Bible teaches us that, that even Christ made it very clear. Lord, okay, they're not really of the world. They're, not, they're, they're in it, but they're not of it. And the truth is, is that ought to be the case with us. But we see a, a, the world being expressed here and, and described in verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> now we see in verses 6 through 9 a warning. We see the warning. Now, again, in verses 6 through 9, it goes on to say, For of this sort are they. And he begins to warn them about some things. For those, these that possess these qualities, again, in verses 1 through 5, they're going to attempt to lead people astray. That's just the reality of it. They're going to, to do that under the cloak of secrecy. They're going to try to lead people astray under the blindfold of deception. They're going to utilize these tools. They, they want to, to deceive people, to, to ultimately lead them astray. And um, they're going to learn some things along the way. They may seem educated and they may seem very wise, so to speak, in the things of the world. But the godly concepts are not things they're going to embrace. Uh, they're not going to seek to learn things that will cause them to draw closer to holiness. No, they're going to have the knowledge of the world that promotes carnality in the flesh. And instead of embracing the truth, they're going to resist the truth, the Bible tells us. Fortunately, they're going to be exposed. The Bible tells us that... 
they'll be exposed by those who truly know the truth. Those who are careful to examine truth. They're going to be able to spot them and say, you know what? Although they seem to be sincere about learning and growing, the fact is, is that they're only seeking, they're only uh, learning things that, uh, you know, that are going to be used for their means or for, to their purpose and how they're going to ultimately deceive and, and, and ultimately distract from the work of God. So Numbers chapter 32 verse 23 tells us, listen, you better realize something, you better understand something, that your, your sin's going to find you out. You'll be exposed for who and what you really are in the end. And it says, but if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Of course, the children of Israel were preparing to go into the promised land. Moses, uh, a couple of the tribes say, hey, we want to stay on this side, Jordan, not go across Jordan. And uh, Moses basically says, okay, that's fine, but you have to go fight with the rest of Israel because you're not going to discourage your brethren by sitting back here and enjoying the fruit of the land while we're over here risking our lives to provide for the inheritance of the people of God. So you're not going to act like those spies 40 years earlier who discouraged the brethren from going into the promised land. You're going to get up. You're going to go fight with us. And when everyone can then settle down, when everyone can relax, when everyone can enjoy the fruit of the land, then you too can. And so he said, if you don't do that, be sure your sin will find you out. Well, our sin will find us out as well. So even as others through history have been exposed for their improprieties and iniquity, the fact is, is that we're no exception. So if you're going to sin, trust me, sooner or later, someone's going to find out about it. Sooner or later, you're going to be exposed for who and what you really are. You can't get away with it forever. So we see the world. We see the warning. We see a witness in verses 10 through 11. Again, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, his, his uh, son in the faith, and he begins to share with him this aspect. He, he says, <clears throat> and I like it, he says, But thou hast, known, hast fully known my doctrine. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering. And he goes through a list, of, again, of, of aspects of his life. And he says, you've fully known those things. I've not hid anything. Uh, I've been fully exposed in your eyes. I am, um, you know, I, I don't have anything to hide. I'm an open book. Um, I'm a glass house. <clears throat> You're welcome to see it as you see it. I don't have anything like that to worry about or hide. So, again, he just wasn't concerned about what people knew about him. Now, it is one thing that I think we all, there's no problem with having some privacy. I understand that. But if you as a believer are concerned about your privacy because you have things to hide, that's the wrong kind of privacy. That's, that's not what you need. I don't want people to get to know me too well because then they'll, they'll realize what I really am. They'll see where I'm really faltering and failing. That's a problem. <clears throat> okay, that's not good. Now, Paul the Apostle, he had a testimony, a tremendous testimony. He has a testimony that God expects each and every one of us to have. And you know what? He was responsible to maintain that testimony. And you know what? You and I are responsible to maintain that testimony. So the fact is, is that we have a testimony. I don't know if it's like the Apostles Paul's or not. Uh, I mean, I hope it is. I hope that you're fully known for good things, not fully known for bad things. And you and I have a responsibility to maintain it and to keep it right. So we see the world, we see the warning, we see the witness in the passage, and we note the way. In verses 12 through 14, he goes on to say a couple of things here. He says, he says um, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer, suffer persecution. He said there's some certainties about this life in which we live. I mean, this way that we travel, you can be certain about some things. One, if you're godly, you're going to live godly, you're going to endure some persecution. That's just a certainty. You can expect it. And also he goes on in verse 13, he says, he says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He says, not only can you be certain about some things, you, you need to be careful about some things. 
You need to realize there are going to be some people trying to deceive, trying to divert your attention, trying to keep you from focusing on Christ, trying to, you know, cause you to, to neglect the Lord Jesus Christ instead of, you know, focusing on Him who's the author and finisher of your faith, going to get you to focus on yourself or on the world or the flesh or the devil. Be careful. And then also, he goes on in verse 14, finally, and rounds it out and says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast heard, learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He says, you need to be consistent. You need to be consistent. And you know what? That's a reality of our lives as believers. We need to be consistent. You know? And uh, again, if we call ourselves believers, we call ourselves Christians, you know, it doesn't matter where or what or when or how or why. We're Christians. That's just it. You know, we don't have to apologize for things later. We're living the Christian life. We don't have to say, oh, you know, I'm sorry. You know, sometimes I like to act like a Christian. Sometimes I don't. Now, we shouldn't be there. We should be consistent constantly in, out of church, whether we're at home or whether we're at work. It doesn't matter whether we're at school or whether we're at the grocery store. We ought to be believers and living like it, being consistently Christ-like in our attitude and our actions. <clears throat> now, again, God wants us to know we're going to endure some persecutions if we live godly, if we live separated lives. He wants to be careful not to allow others to lead us astray or from the pathway of righteousness. And again, finally, he says, listen, I demand that you be consistent and Christ-honoring in your lifestyle and actions. Now, when we look at the whole passage and we kind of summarize the passage, it kind of seems to me that we have a, a passage that describes our world, offers warning to believers, provides us with a standard by which we should live, and encourages us to remain faithful in the way. And that's what I see in that passage. Pretty simple. There's a lot more in there. We could spend literally weeks just talking about that particular passage. But the truth is that each of us has a testimony. And, and this is one of the main things that I feel comes out of it. We have a testimony, and we're to build that testimony, and we are to protect that testimony. That's important. And so it's important that we're consistent in our character. It's important that, that again, we're not one person here and one person somewhere else. Another person somewhere else. Now, due to these truths and, and others, I, I want to I warn each of us to be careful with social media. I want us to be careful with social media. Even more specifically, Facebook. I, I want us to be careful on that thing. I want you to um, uh, consider verses 8 and 9. It says, Now as Janus and Jambres, uh, wow, withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth, Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. Why? For their folly shall be manifest unto all men, and theirs also as theirs also was. <clears throat> it's going to be revealed to all men. Revealed to all men. Now, never before in history has our testimony been more visible and on display than it is now. Never. Never in history. I don't care where or when you lived in, his, in, in the past. It's never been our testimony as a believer... Our life as a believer has never been more visible than it is right now. Never. Years ago, we used to speak of the judgment seat of Christ. We talked about it as being a time when God would one day reveal our lives on a celestial screen in heaven for the entire universe to see. And all of our idle words and all of our sinful ways will be manifest on that screen and everybody will see us for who and what we really were. And man, I mean to tell you, we quaked in our shoes. It made us nervous. The idea of our greatest secrets, sins, and misgivings being exposed publicly sent chills of fear down our spines. Matthew twelve thirty six. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. 
Do you realize that social media has effectively brought this to pass in our lifetime? Do you realize that? That every single idle word you type, you click on, you put on Facebook or any kind of social media is there forever and is for the whole world to see? Anything, everything. And once it's there, it is there. That's the thing that's so, well, we just take it off. Yeah, well, somebody could have copied it. Somebody could have kept it. It's on some database somewhere in the world. I promise you there's not one thing that we put on there that gets deleted that isn't somewhere. Somebody's keeping track of it. I promise if you would run for presidency right now, they would find a way to figure out what you said 10 years ago, even though you deleted it off your Facebook. They'd figure it out. Somebody has it somewhere. It's amazing to me how folks shamelessly post things today. I mean, things that in days gone by would not even be spoken of in private are posted today. I mean, there is a total disregard for privacy. A lack of decency in so many cases prevails. It's amazing to me. Just amazing. Pictures and posts are uncensored and many times extremely revealing. And I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about visually. I'm talking about even just exposing the character of people. I mean, we expose our feelings, our thoughts, our fears to the whole world as though we're speaking to a loved one or some friend in privacy. It's amazing to me. I, I, I just am amazed. I, I don't have a Facebook account and I don't do it for a reason because I don't want to have to confront everybody every time I see something. That's why I don't do it. I mean, I mean, I feel like the, the, you know, sometimes they say, you know, you know, preachers in years past used to, you know, say they visit a family and they'd maybe take liberties to check out things. I remember when I first started, when I first went over and visited my wife, she was living with a friend and her, my friend and I went over to their house and the two of them were there and we went over there and we was going to maybe watch a show or do something. I can't remember what we were going to do actually at this point, but nonetheless, we got over there and I remember she went upstairs and I went in her kitchen and I looked in her refrigerator and I looked in her cupboards because I wanted to see what she was drinking. I want to see if she was real. That's right. Yeah. See, I, I knew a lot of people in my past that weren't real. I, I remember looking through all the videos that night and seeing what videos were in the, the stack because I wanted to see what they were watching. Because I decided already, I thought, you know what? If I'm going to finally, if I'm going to decide to move forward with somebody, I want somebody that actually lives a life, doesn't just talk about it or go to church. And I know I took some liberties that some say I shouldn't have, but you know what? Tough. You do it your way, I did it mine. I knew one thing. What I was looking at and what I was talking to was real. I knew that much. And honestly, if I'd have said, hey, I just wonder, can I look through your videos? I guarantee you they said yes. But here's the bottom line. Do we have to hide our videos when people come over? I mean, do we have to be careful what's in the refrigerator or what's in the cupboard for fear that it might give a bad testimony or somehow reveal something about us that we don't want someone to know? well, you know what? Unfortunately, today on Facebook, all of those things are exposed, it seems. They just kind of end up there somehow, some way. It's amazing to me. We almost feel, again, the safety net, almost. And we post things, we say things, we express things, we show things that maybe we don't even realize that everybody's seeing it and not everybody understands it. It doesn't make sense to everybody. There was no precursor. There was no, uh, you know, setting it up. There's no way we understood it. We, we see a video about two people and somebody plays a practical joke on somebody, we'll say. And we didn't hear about the practical joke that the other person played on them before. And it looks like you're just being mean and nasty and insensitive. 
I'm just saying we've got to be so careful when we post these things because it goes to the world and not all of them understand what's going on. And our testimony is always at stake. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't preach on problems as a rule. I decided a long time ago, I'm not going to preach on problems in the church. If you ever preach on something, it's not because somebody's having a problem. I don't do that. Matter of fact, if 10 of you were committing adultery right now in this church, I wouldn't preach on adultery just because of it. I wouldn't do it just because of that. Someone says, well, that's not right. Maybe we need that. No, those 10 need that, not everybody. And I probably, they need to be addressing that with their pastor and getting it right and getting taken care of. But the fact is, I don't preach on problems. But this is not just a problem today. This is a trend. This is a trend. And it's not just trending in the world. It's trending in the church. And I see it as a major ordeal. I see it as a real issue today. And I thought I would share it because, I, again, I, I entitled it, Don't Look Now, but, your egg, but You Got Egg on Your Facebook. You know, we used to say you got egg on your face. You said something stupid. You did something dumb. And you had egg on your face. You looked stupid. Let me tell you something. I want to tell you, people look really stupid on Facebook sometimes. You got egg on your Facebook. We need to be careful with that. Somebody says, well, what are you talking about? Well, um, you, just, let's just pray real quick because I should have prayed earlier. That way I, I wouldn't have had to stop. But let's pray because then I'm going to share some improprieties with you. And I'm going to share a couple of results or consequences to this. Just very quickly, we're going to move fast tonight. Father, bless us now. And again, encourage us, Lord. I, I believe every person in this room tonight, especially on a Super Bowl Sunday that's here, wants to grow, wants to learn, and has a desire to please you. Or they wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. So Lord, help each of us, Father, just to really take to heart what we're hearing. It may not even apply to us, and that's fine. But Lord, on the other hand, we all need to realize how sensitive and how careful we must be with this social media and these, these outlets that we have today that we never had in the past. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, let's talk about some improprieties. Things that we, we, we do that sometimes we may not even think about. For instance, these, and I don't know what they're called exactly, but I'm going to call them abbreviations. We use these letters. I see people use letters. You know, um, OMG, oh my God. Now, would you say, oh my God? I wonder. I just wonder if you'd say that or if you'd say, oh my gosh, or something. You wouldn't use the word, you know, oh my God. Well, I don't know if you'd use that. I don't know that. But then there's other ones that actually imply, imply um, profanities. And, and it's amazing to me how church members will use these things and they're implying a profanity. So when you read it, you know what they're saying. And in your mind, you said it because you had to look at it. So you may not have said it with your lips, but when we read it, we read cuss words. That's and so what it says basically to us is you cuss. That's what it says to us. So, oh, I see our Sunday school teacher cusses. Um, our bus worker cusses. The choir member cusses. Look at those abbreviations they're using, those something, such, such, and such, LOL, laugh a lot, or whatever that means, I don't know. <laughs> laugh a little or laugh out loud, okay. See, I told you I don't have that stuff. So, so anyway, okay, that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. But what about some of the other things? I have read things, and I've said, what does that mean? And my wife goes... I can't say it. And I think, why would a church member use that? I wonder. Makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't get that. How about pictures that are immodest or inappropriate? 
let me, let me tell you something. Do you realize when you're out with your family in the backyard or you're on vacation and you're at the beach and you're taking pictures of your daughter in her bathing suit, honestly, we probably don't need to see that at the church. You realize that? And then you're going to get mad when some 45 or 50-year-old says, man, your daughter's hot. You're going to be all bent out of shape. You dirty old man. You're the one posted it. You're the one who put it out there for everybody to see. I thought, you, you, aren't you advertising it? You say, well, we're just taking an innocent picture. Don't put it on Facebook. Don't put it out there for everybody then. You keep that between you and your family. You save that in a scrapbook somewhere, but don't you dare put that on Facebook or everybody in this church has every right to see it and every one of us have a right to say, that was inappropriate. Don't judge me. (laughs) We don't have to. You You wouldn't let your daughter come to church dressed like that. But yet we'll go ahead and post it for the world to see it. It's so cute. What's cute about a 15-year-old girl that's developed looking like a 22-year-old model? What do you think that does to people, especially men? That's not cute to men. You think what you want. I'm just trying to be honest with you on some things. I'm trying to help you tonight a little bit. Pictures that are immodest or inappropriate. Listen, why in the world would we post photos on Facebook of us sitting in a bar? Or at a restaurant with a beer? Or a glass of wine in front of us. You're a, you're, a, you're a choir member. Oh, well, that wasn't mine. It was somebody else's. Then don't put it on Facebook. Don't put it for everybody to see. We won't understand that. We don't know that. Well, you should just trust my character. When your actions are screaming? Folks, listen, I'm not trying to be critical and I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just saying a picture says is, is worth a thousand words, we used to say. So you know what? Everybody reads it the way they see it. That, and you say, well, that's, they should just, they should, I can't believe they saw it. Well, you know what? The fact is, is that you can't control how people interpret pictures. You know, we, the, the big thing is that, you know, the, 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 the common one is, you know, the psychologist shows pictures and the guy, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when you see this picture. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Everybody has a different idea what that picture is. That little ink spot there means this or means that. And you say, that's stupid. That's ignorant. Yeah, but everybody sees things different. When you put a picture on Facebook and it doesn't, it's not very clear what it is, guess what? Everybody's going to come to their own conclusion. And so be careful with your pictures. Make sure they're not immodest or inappropriate. Make sure that they're Christ-like. Make sure that they honor the Lord. Listen, if you have a standard of dress, then you ought to not put pictures on there that don't at least elevate the standard of dress. And if you're not going to continue with that standard of dress, by all means, don't show the world you don't care. I'm just, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't get it. Again, photos that show us somewhere we shouldn't be or with someone that we shouldn't be with. How stupid are teenagers that post pictures with people that their parents already told them they're not allowed to be with? They do stuff like that. Selfies. And they post it. Oh, you weren't supposed to post that. And the friend says, I didn't know that. And the parents are going, isn't that you with, when was that taken? And they're like, ah, great. You know how dumb that is? I mean, be smarter than that, guys. If you're going to do something your parents don't tell you to do, don't put it on Facebook. I mean, really? Are you kidding me? It's like somebody robbing a bank and leaving their address to send them, you know, a 
a statement later or something. Doesn't make sense. And then these posts that we post that are critical or cynical or condemning. You know, don't react by sh- typing it out and putting it on a, a Facebook post or on some, some multi- media. Don't do that. Years ago, you know, we were upset and we'd either have to write a letter or make a call or meet face-to-face. You know how it was. You get bent out of shape. Somebody said something, did something. You got mad. Man, I'm going to write them a letter. I'm going to scald them, buddy. Or you're going to have to call them up and, you know, you got to get on that big old phone with that big long line and, and you got to hope they're home when you call. Or you say, well, just, I'm just going to have to meet them face to face. I know where they work. I'll meet them after work. And so you're ticked off. You're angry and you're going to let them have it. But you write that letter out. And next thing you know, you go back through it and start rereading it. And you start thinking, man, that's kind of, I don't know if I should say all that. You know, I, I don't know. Okay, I, I do. I feel this way, but maybe it's not. the. I, nah, that's just going to make it even worse. And before you know it, a lot of times, what do we do with those letters? We tore them up. We tore them up. Or, or, or we went to grab the phone, and as we're grabbing the phone, we've got to look for the number. You know what their number is? And you're looking for their number. And, and as you're looking for their number, you're going, man, jerk. I'm going to give him a load of my, I'm going to, I'm going to lay it on him. And you start to dial the phone, and you're thinking, eh, I don't know. And then all of a sudden they answer, and you're like, hey. And you, before you can let them loose, you're thinking, man, they're right there in front of me right now. I'm talking to them face to face. I'm not face to face, but I can hear their voice right there. And as you're talking, they're going, oh, I didn't, but I didn't know that. And you're like, I can't be mad at you. You didn't even know that? Are you kidding me? But see, you had time. Before you could see them face to face, before you could get on the phone and actually reach them, half the time they weren't home, and there was no leave a message years and years ago. And even if there was, you didn't just go, guess what? You know, you didn't probably do that. You kind of just went, you know, I'll call them back later. And it gave you time to think through what you were going to say. It gave you you an opportunity to kind of cool down a little bit maybe. But you know, the danger of this stuff is that you don't have time to cool down. Man, I mean, you're always on it constantly in most cases. People are on it 24-7, it seems like to me. I mean, I'm amazed at the posts that are at 2 and 3 and 4 in the morning. And I think to myself, didn't even give you... I mean, and if it's, you're mad about something, boom, it's there. You hit that button, it goes, and then you think to yourself, Ugh. Too late. It's too late now. And everybody sees it. And if they didn't see it, before you can even get it off there probably, somebody saw it, and they're going... Did you see that post? Did you see what so-and-so said? And he's going, I didn't see it. Well, it was just on there yesterday. Well, I, I didn't see it. I looked for it today. I didn't find it. Here's what they said. Everybody gets it anyway. And then half the time, it's even worse than it was supposed to be. I'm just saying, we need to be careful. We are quick to air our feelings before we even really consider how it truly reflects on us or how it will affect others. Another one, real quick, these likes. Likes. Likes bother me. You know, somebody listens to a secular group and, and, and has, the, and, 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 and believers like you and I are clicking like. How can you like? How can you like that? 
I thought that we wanted godly music in our life. I thought we encouraged our children to listen to things other than rock and roll and country and all that junk. And yet then we'll turn around and put like. And you know what that says to everybody in the room? That you obviously endorse that, that, that person that's singing the music or that's sharing that music, that you endorse that artist. You know, I don't know some of these, but I know like the name like Katy Perry or, uh, well, I was going to say Britney Spears, but she's been off the scene a long time. But, you know, all these different people. And then here we are. Like. Somebody says, oh, we went to that concert. It was awesome. Like. Oh, that's okay then. So if your child went to that concert, it's okay? And if it is, then, you know what? Why don't you be honest with your family where you really stand on things? Why are we pretending to be all this great Christianity when we really don't care? We really are worldly. I'm saying be careful what you're posting because it may even say something about you that you don't even realize it's saying. Yeah, me and the family got together and we had a drink after work and we had a good time. Like. Like what? That they got together and had a drink? I mean, do you realize what it looks like for you? You're endorsing that. I get, I, I just can't believe it. Music, photos, places, people, all of those things. Like, like, like. How, what? I don't get it. So, don't look now, but you've got egg on your face. Book. Now, let's talk real quickly about the consequences. When we do those things, when we post something without thinking, or we get angry and we just boom, or we... we uh, put a like on something and associates us with that or makes it look like we endorse it. And when all of these things go down, you know, we take pictures that are inappropriate and we post them, post them on Facebook or we allow people into our lives and some real private issues and we share those things and people misunderstand them and blah, 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 blah. What are the consequences? Well, number one, we expose ourselves. Facebook and other media outlets have a tendency to reveal our true character. They, they reveal our true character. Our posts reveal our heart and our outlook. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 real quick, verse 12. Hebrews 4. We're going to move through these. I've got four of them when we're done tonight. We're going to get out of here. Give the teens plenty of time. and us. So we've got to move quickly. So Hebrews 4, verse 12 through 13. <clears throat> now, can I, can, t- can I tell you what's going on tonight? You say you're preaching? No, I'm not. You know what I'm doing tonight? I'm sitting in my living room with my family right now, and I'm sharing some things up from my heart. That's how I do it with my kids. That's how I deal with things in my home. I just flat say what I think and how I feel. See, I, I, don't, I don't have to worry about, you know, that hurt your feelings, son? Too bad. Because this is how it is. See, this is, how, this is how I deal with things in my home. And you know what? That's how we need to deal with things. This is a big home. This is a family right here. So tonight, all I've decided to do is say, you know what, I see a real problem right now, and I'm concerned for my kids, and I want to share with my kids some of my thoughts. I want them to know how it appears and what it looks like and how things are from my perspective. And someone says, well, that's not your place. Absolutely, it's my place. Read the book of Hebrews sometime. Chapter 13, I watch for your souls. If I don't, then you don't have anybody watching for them. And that's why you need a local church, because you need a pastor to watch for your soul. You say, you're pretty fired up about this issue. I am, because it really reflects poorly on many people. This can destroy your testimony, folks. This thing can destroy it. 
So notice it says Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Years ago, years ago, it was God who was going to see us for who and what we really were. People that were closest to us, they could evaluate that based on what they experienced in our presence. Things we said, did, stuff we watched and listened to. Those closest to us might have an indication of what we were in our heart, see. Now the world knows. The world gets it. So what do we do? We expose ourselves. When we get on a, 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 a social media of any sort and we place it up there, we literally are exposing, allowing ourselves to be seen for who and what we really are. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. See, if, if you listen to me long enough, you'll find out who and what I really am. All I have to do is listen to how you talk and I'll tell you what and who you are. That's what the Bible teaches. And you want to know something? When we read things on Facebook that don't line up with the Word of God, do you realize how you've exposed yourself and your character? Do you realize that? You've revealed who you really are. Now, now listen to me. I'm, I'm not saying anybody's perfect. Don't misunderstand me. But be wise enough not to let everybody know till you can get it fixed. Why are you going to expose yourself like that? Why would you take your clothes off in, a, in, a, in a, a group of people like this and say, go ahead, notice every flaw? That doesn't make any sense at all to me. Thank you, I'll leave my clothes on because I look a lot better, trust me. <laughs> and you know what? When we get on that Facebook, we basically are naked before the world. If you're not saying something nice, we used to say this. If you can't say something nice, let's remember that. We expose ourselves. Number two, we embarrass ourselves. We embarrass ourselves. Somebody says, you know, no, we embarrass ourselves. We look like fools sometimes. We'd have been better off not to put it on there at all than some of the stuff we put on there. Because it makes us look stupid. It makes us look like fools. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Do you know, that's written in a day when there was no Facebook. But let me tell you something. If you can write it, you've said it. It's the same thing. It's, even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. Do you know when we're, re- we're revealed for what we really are again? When we post it. When we share it. When we make sure the world knows. And then the world goes, what an idiot. What a fool. How embarrassing is that? Do you realize how embarrassed you ought to be sometimes? Haven't you ever been embarrassed by something you said? I have. I've got to admit, I got so sick of being embarrassed about things I said when I was younger that I I, I decided not to talk a lot. And you've got to say, that's got to be hard for you. It was at times. I decided, you know what? I took that verse, I memorized it, and I thought, even a fool, when he holds his peace, is kind of wise and a man and shut his lips, esteemed a man of understanding. I may not know a lot, but if I just shut my mouth, people will think I know something. <clears throat> I got around preachers. I got around other people. I said nothing. I simply listened to people. And people thought, man, that's a wise young fellow. Absolutely I was wise. Why? Because I shut my mouth. Because I didn't know that much. And I still don't know as much as I'd like to know. And the fact is, if I talk long enough, you'll figure out I don't. And you know what? The more you talk on that, the more we realize you don't either. That's 
<clears throat> you need to be careful with that thing. We expose ourselves. We embarrass ourselves. Someone says, I'm offended by that. <laughs> if the shoe fits, wear it. We invite criticism and attack. When we like things we shouldn't like, when we post things we shouldn't post, when we place pictures on there we shouldn't place on there, when we express feelings and ideas and thoughts that just are not Christ-like, we invite criticism and attack. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, the Bible says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. What he's saying is, is that if you don't have control of your emotions, then you are like a city that has no wall of protection. You open yourself up to all kind of attack, And you allow yourself to be very vulnerable. And guess what? Let me tell you something. I don't care whether people tell you this or not. When you post something on there that's stupid, everybody's going, that was stupid. (laughs) Oh, they may not come to you and say it to your face. But when they see you next time, they're going, what a dummy. They're going to be critical of you. Listen, you say, they shouldn't do that. That's judging me. No, it isn't. It's you being stupid and posting things and saying things you should not say. Now, listen, we have all done it. Every one of us in some way, shape, or form have said something stupid, done something dumb, showed somebody something we shouldn't, whatever. I understand that. But I want you to realize that in this world we live in today, when you do that on a social media, it's for the world. It isn't just for those few friends that you are... You look dumb around and you can ultimately rectify it. You're around them enough to regain some confidence again and somehow be able to earn their trust over again. No, you're, you're giving it to people that can never have that opportunity. And every time they think of you, they think about that person who has no control over their emotion, that person who has no control over their life and what they say and do, that they are broken down. They're a city with walls that are broken down. They are just open to attack constantly. And they think, wow, what a pitiful situation. Never even have a chance to redeem yourself because you don't even know them. All they know about you is what they read. That can be extremely detrimental to a believer. We invite criticism and attack. And finally, last, we can expect confrontation. When we do those things, we can expect confrontation. Now, 2 Timothy 3, verse 9. Turn over there, would you please? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9. Over the last three or four years, it just seems to me that I'm forever being approached by my staff or somebody in the church. And it's not, I don't get all the time, but I get this from my staff and from folks in church. They come up to me and say, Preacher, did you see what so-and-so posted? I'm like, no, I didn't. I say, can you make me a copy of it? I'd like to see it then, if it's legit. I mean, I'm not going to take your word for it. I want to see it. And somebody says, well, you don't believe people? No, I just want to see it for myself. I'm going to to give you the benefit of the doubt until I see it. But it's amazing to me. Simply amazing. In 2 Timothy 3.9, notice what it says here. It says, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall manifest, uh, be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Um, let me find this thing. I'm, I'm at the wrong spot. Let me 
Yeah, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Now again, it's going to be manifest to all men. Now, I now want you to turn over to Titus chapter 3 now. So we saw where we were in 2 Timothy. It's going to be manifest unto all men. We're going to see it. There it is, right there. But I want you to notice something interesting about Titus 3.11. Now there's a lot more going on here than this, but the principle is still the same. Notice it says in chapter 3, verse 11 of Titus, Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth. Watch this statement. Being condemned of himself. Being condemned of himself. Listen, it's amazing to me when we do or say something wrong that we become so shocked when others comment or respond in a negative way. We post something we shouldn't post. We said something we shouldn't say. We, we implied something that we shouldn't imply. We stated something without knowing all the facts, and we just, blah, put it out there. And then we get, we're, we're shocked when others respond to it negatively or critically. The first words that often come to our mouth is, don't judge me. I have a right to say what I think and how I feel. My opinion's as important as anybody else's. Well, yes, you have every right to an opinion. But last time I checked, I thought we were supposed to be believers and we're supposed to be filtering everything we say and do through the Word of God. And secondly, the Bible teaches us that it's not a matter of someone judging your words. It's a matter of you condemning yourself. When you post a picture looking half nude on Facebook, and someone says, man, they don't dress very modestly. Don't judge me. You just condemned yourself. Nobody had to judge you. They see it right there in front of them. Now listen, I, I'm not, you, you, you guys think you're all high and mighty and uh, you, you think you're better than everybody. No, maybe we're just smart enough not to post it. I got a swimming pool in my backyard now. I bought it just two years ago. It's used, so don't think I got a lot of money. But it's in my backyard and I use it. Let me tell you something. I don't take pictures of my family back there. (laughs) That's so cute. Let's post that. I don't do that. If you see a picture posted from my backyard with me standing there posing, it isn't because I posted it. Somebody stood over my fence and took it while I wasn't looking. The paparazzi was at it again. Now listen to me, I wouldn't do that, why? Because to do that, and I stand up here and talk about you need to be modest and this and that. Oh, and somebody says, yeah, but we understand it's in your backyard. I know that, but when I put it on the Facebook, when I put it on the World Wide Web, it's no longer in my backyard, it's around the world. I might as well walk down the street with no clothes on. I might as well go anywhere I want to go dressed like that because I just endorsed it by putting it out there. Don't post it. I have no problem with you running around half naked in your backyard. I don't care if you take all your clothes off if your neighbors can't see you. That's your business. I'm not going to go looking. I promise you that. But don't post it. Don't post it. And that's true with what we say and what we do. We comment on things that are going on in the church and we're critical and cynical and negative. And we wonder why people are like, Oh, they're kind to us, but behind your back, I promise you, they're going, what's wrong with them? What's their problem? Or they think, "Uh uh-oh, there must be a real problem at the church then.
Wow. No, there is a problem, and it's that you can't keep your mouth shut. It's a problem, not big, little. And we make it look like it's big. You need to think about how it appears, how you appear to others. You need to think about how it affects others when you do those things. So as we close this out, we're done. The fact is, is we got to be careful. I mean, don't look now. But you have egg on your face, book. Be careful what you post. All I'm asking is think about it before you do things. Really consider how will this affect my testimony before the world? How will it look to people? And someone says, you know, we shouldn't have to live to please others. You know, it doesn't matter what people in the church think. Does it matter what your mom and dad think? Does it matter what your husband or wife thinks? Does it matter what, what your boss at work thinks? Think, when did we stop caring what people think? That's why we dress the way we dress. That's why we do what we do. That's why we, we, we you know, want to buy big houses and have nice cars because we care what people think. We shouldn't all the time, but we do. And we're just being really not very honest with ourselves when in this one area we say, it's none of their business. I don't care what anybody at the church thinks. Yes, you do. You care because that's why you have that brand new car. So everybody around you thinks that you actually have something and that you have made it good in life. People say, no, that's not why I have a good car. I have it so I can be safe back and forth to work. I know that. Yeah, I know. But some of those junkers will run back and forth too. But image is so important to us I don't see any ladies walking in here with rags on. You know what? You wouldn't get me seen in a rag because it matters to you what people think. Listen, God cares what people think. He grew in stature before God and men, the Bible says, and in wisdom. Hey, we ought to care what people think. Our testimony's at stake. And if not what the church people think, we ought to care what the world thinks because they're the ones we're trying to reach. Let's be careful. That's all. Think about it. Consider these things. And before you post your next post, make sure it's uplifting and it's encouraging and it's a blessing and it's not ripping somebody, disturbing somebody, hurting somebody, or somehow getting a dig in. That it's not demoralizing someone or accusing someone. It's not casting a bad view of the church or a bad view of the pastor or a negative spirit about the church, make sure you think about it first. And honestly, here's how it works. Biblically, if you've got a real problem and it needs addressed, you don't put it on Facebook. You go to that person like a man or a woman and you face them and you talk to them face to face. And if you can't do that, don't put it on Facebook. You get in their face. That's the only face we need to face, not Facebook. I'm just trying to help you. I don't want, to look, I don't want you looking like fools. And I don't want the name of Christ being, you know, running through the muck. I, I truly want the testimony of Community Baptist Temple to be one of, that is a faithful people, a joyful people. Yeah, we got our issues. Every church does. We're a family, right? Families have problems. I don't know about you, but it seems to me we've got a pretty nice family here. I'd kind of like to just keep that going. Some families fight like cats and dogs. 
I, I don't think this one does. If I do, I'm not aware of it. But I'll tell you what, if we do got to fight to fight, let's keep it in-house. Let's not let the world know about it. It's not their business. It's our business. We're the family. Father, we come to you. And thank you again, Lord. It's been an interesting evening, Lord, a little bit different. Father, I just pray, Lord, that we would...